Divorce can be a difficult and overwhelming experience, but it's important not to neglect planning for your family's future. Our guest today shares their insights on estate planning as a single parent on this episode of the Executor Help Podcast. This is the Executor Help Podcast. Learn how to settle an estate, pick an executor, and avoid family fights. For more information, go to davidedy.com. Now here's your host, David Edy. So with me on the show today is uh, Bob Minhas, and Bob is an entrepreneur. He wears many hats, like a lot of entrepreneurs. Um, in a previous episode, we had George Hotman talking about succession planning, and I want to continue along that strain of having conversations of why it's important as an entrepreneur to have a, a succession plan, and also the easy way, the, the reason why you want to do it, and also options to get the uh, get the job done. So, Bob, it's a pleasure to have you here on the show. Let's start off with because I know you as a, as a business coach, you're also a a real estate investor. So, you as an entrepreneur, you know your business is your legacy. Maybe you could tell me a little bit about your family uh, situation. Uh, I know you've got two kids. Why, why are we having this conversation, or why did I think it was a good idea to have you on the show? Over and above, you're a snappy dresser and a nice guy. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you for calling me a snappy dresser and thank you for inviting me. Um, yeah. So I'll start with a little bit of, of that background, which is so I have three kids, actually. I know I, I uh, don't talk about them often, but I have three. I have uh, two teenagers and one entering teenagehood. Um, and then I actually care for my mother, who's a little bit old, who's a little bit older, so an elderly mom. And I, when people ask me about my family, I t- Tell them I also co-parent very well with my ex-wife. So a lot of times when I have to make financial and family decisions uh, for my children, there's this other person that also needs to sort of be communicated with. So even though we've been divorced for about eight years, you know, a lot of times I have to consider that impact as well. Right. So because of this unique situation of being divorced, have you how you approached estate planning and thinking about your future, leaving the legacy for the three kids? How have you looked yeah, at the past? Yeah, that's a great point. So as a, you know, as a divorced parent, the considerations I often have to think about, especially as the divorced father, is should I pass? Like if I do pass away and the kids are all under 18, the first thing I thought of is, well, who replaces my support payments? Because certainly you can have a life insurance policy, but first of all, does that policy even cover the amount of life ins- um, support payments that's going to be lost? Right. Um, and then we, you know, we also consider the emotional impact and well-being of the children. So I'm hoping <laughs> when I pass, my children will be, you know, impacted in some way. And you know, what I I didn't want was for my ex to have to uh, sort of navigate that. Right. So imagine being now suddenly. Uh, a mom that you know has three children that are mourning. I'll be honest with you, David. Until recently, I've never really had anything but life insurance. And the amusing part of that is it's actually irrevocable to my ex-wife because I think she was afraid that I, I would probably even lose that. I've just never been a, a planner or or an organized person, and I really thought that's all I needed. And then what happened, David, was uh, a, a number of years ago, uh, before COVID, I actually applied for additional life insurance on myself. And I received an alarming uh, letter back from the agency saying that I was rated. And uh, of course, on the podcast, you can't see I'm already a big guy. So I just presumed it was weight, Uh, but it actually wasn't. Uh, I was rated on a non-disclosed category and that didn't make a lot of sense to me. So I did a little bit of research. Uh, David, you're probably aware all of us Canadians have access to what's called our medical information 
uh, uh, record or board. So I was able to request my information. And based on what I found there and uh, another visit to my doctor, I believe, so David, this isn't proof, but I believe very confidently that I was rated because I had mental health challenges before I had applied for the policy. And that really upset me, David, because the whole point of when you have mental health challenges is to be able to seek help. But now it seems that when that's entered into your medical record, um, insurance insurance companies can worry that you are a risk, whether it's a suicide risk or, or hurting yourself risk. So that had me fundamentally change how I was going to plan estate planning, right? Because essentially I thought if I had a life insurance, the kids are covered, we're good. Now there's a risk that if I pass away, are, is the insurance company on my existing policy going to say, well, we discovered he had these challenges, so maybe we won't pay you out. So I had to shift how I thought about my the legacy I was leaving my children, mostly around finance. And so I started to get into real estate. I started to invest in assets, physical assets that I knew I could will or transfer uh, to them directly. I didn't want to rely on an insurance company with the ability to um, hold Make that support. To pay or not to pay. So is that yeah. the the, um, the discovery of how the insurance company rated you is what motivated you to change your focus of how you're going to do the estate planning? Or was there something else that wanted you to, at this point in your life, look at the the, the process of uh, what's involved to make sure that you know, you're leaving a, a proper legacy to your family? Well, it certainly was the catalyst, but then it led to other reasons as well, which included realizing as my mom aged, um, we didn't really have a plan for her. I just didn't feel confident in the legacy financially that I was leaving my kids. So, uh, you know, that was a big part of it. But you and I, you know, you and I met a number of years ago. And I remember telling you when I first met you, it's something that I wanted to do. But David, I never took action until your book. So until I actually started reading your book about what's involved and what I need to consider, I'm going to say, David, that was the true catalyst for me to take action and start to make the change. Well, I don't know what to say. Um, it's true. No, it's uh, it's honestly true. You didn't know I was going to say that. So no, it's honestly you were going to say that, but that's very kind of you say. Um, again, the reason I wrote it is because people such as yourself, you know, who didn't do anything. And I, I just kept hearing people that when something did happen and there was someone passing away that, uh, you know, there'd be arguments, there'd be fights, executor, a family was left uh, disorganized and in chaos. So I didn't want either anybody else to go what I went through. And I, you know, it's gratifying just to hear you say that, uh, that uh, my book was the catalyst to do that. And hopefully I'm doing that for other people. So yeah. I, with you, you say you're, you're, you're also the planning for your mom as well. Um, mm-hmm. An only child or do you have the siblings as well? No, and and I am an only child, uh, for sure. And uh, I am my mom's executor, but I didn't appreciate uh, what that really meant until I started learning more about the problem. Yeah, because what what is it that that surprised you when you, you know, what you've learned about so far in in the process of getting prepared? So I I realize, you know, I'm 45, so I realize this will sound very naive, but I thought when you're an executor, someone passes away you take a death certificate to an insurance company and get paid out. I had no idea there were all also these other things like health. So if my mom was in a certain situation that she also declared that I'm the person that has to make health decisions. And there were other these other responsibilities because she had a business, she had an incorporation, and there were all of these um, tax considerations for her I needed to consider. But ultimately, it was also the idea that, oh my gosh, 
am I even prepared to pay for a funeral? Do I know what she wants for a funeral? Do I, I, I we've never in your chapter, you talk about families having uncomfortable conversations. My mom and I have been together 45 years. We've never had that conversation. And so David, my mom and I, although, you know, we're related, we're culturally two different people. Right. I realized I was going to, I, I was not only going to make financial mistakes, but honestly, I could have done things that wasn't her desire as her legacy. Yeah. So have you, have you had those conversations? Do you start to have those conversations with her? We have. We had to start with a bottle of wine, but nonetheless, we have. I mean, it was really about... Um, you can't start any better place than with a bottle of wine. And yeah, because- absolutely. We just didn't sign anything. We just had a conversation with the wine first. But, you know, I think the thing to come out of it was uh, me understanding what she desired um, for her last days health-wise and more importantly, after her last days, after her passing... But it was also a great conversation, David, for her to understand any financial, uh, any uh, legacy she leaves for me. It's not actually for me, right? Like when I really told her about, this is about what we're leaving to our your grandkids. Right. I think that really helped her understand why it was much more important. And not that she didn't want me to be cared for. She just didn't worry about me. She'd always say, Bobby, I, I don't worry about you. You can take care of yourself. Right. And so that conversation helped us draw that out, that mom, your planning is about the grandkids, not about me. And how did you broach the subject? Because some, um, you know, you said culturally differently between you and your mom. How did you broach the subject? Did it start by choosing the type of bottle of wine you were going to drink? And then- <laughs> no, that that came later. What what actually came was uh, I had a, a quick conversation with her over dinner, and I said, "I'm a little confused about how your will works. Can we review it so I know what's what's going on?" What was her first reaction when she heard when you brought that up? She said, she said, well, as you can imagine, she says, should I be worried about the food I'm eating? And I said, no, 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 no. She's a, it's a funny lady. And she said, no problem. So, you know, she uh, got up from the table, dug it out, brought it to the table. And I said, you know, I just want to understand how all of this works. Because I, I, you know, I told her, I'm reading this book from David, et cetera. And so going through it, I realized, because again, I was comparing it, the only data I had was to compare with your literature, with what you wrote. I was going through it and realizing the expensive lawyer she paid didn't really cover all of the questions that you ask in your book. Right. So I said, mom, now's not the time we're eating food. I just sprung on this on you, but I feel like maybe we can set up a time and talk about this will. And if you're comfortable, I'd like to talk to you about my will in case, right? In case something should happen and you're left. And of course that, that was the uncomfortable conversation, David. She was happy to talk about her legacy and her passing, she did not, it was but, very uncomfortable for her to talk about. That's, un, that's understandable. You know, yeah. the, no one wants, no parent wants to think, talk about the passing of their child. In my case, I couldn't, with my parents, I couldn't talk about their death. And that was the problem where, where we ended up with my family going down the, the road of uh, court cases. I didn't have that conversation. The conversation that you had with your mom is, you know, it was sort of window dressing that I have with my mom and dad. And there was always an understanding, but we never talked about it or they never. And if we had that, we wouldn't have had the problems that we had. So kudos on you just to start the conversation. And she was open to having that conversation going forward. So I want to ask you, you've had that conversation with your, your mom. If we back it up and say, if we look at your situation, because it'll be if she sees that you're working on what you are, are planning, because you're thinking about your kids, are there any other challenges? You know, you talked about the the issue with the 
the insurance company. Are there any other challenges that come comes by being a divorced uh, dad uh, when it comes to estate planning that you've found so far? Yeah, I think you know there's a there's a lot of considerations of how, how do I distribute wealth, and you know the I, I think for some people the presumption is you know the the kid's mom would would manage and distribute that. And, you know, we had to have a really hard conversation because, uh, uh, you know, I, I wasn't sure if I was 100% comfortable with that, to be quite quite honest. I don't think she was 100% comfortable with that, to be quite oh, honest. You've had this, um, started to have this conversation with your ex-wife as well? Oh, she loves the conversation, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, she. I'm just kidding. No, she doesn't. Okay. All right. Um, no, she does because I needed to get some preliminary information on on the kids. My, uh, you know, this it's that that old wives' tale where you hear, you know, the mom tends to remember more of the important details than the father. It's true. Yeah. You know, I had to understand sort of, you know, what their plans were moving forward and how that would be impacted. So let me get to that. So, you, yeah. how did how did it come up to have this conversation with your ex-wife? Clearly, that wasn't with a bottle of wine. No, 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 no. She's very direct. I just one day I was picking up the kids and I had some extra time and I said, you know, can I ask you some questions? I will give her credit that she spent so many years in the insurance field that it, it actually kind of started as just, you know, bouncing things off from what she saw mm-hmm. and then talking about, you know, what I needed. Um, and then, David, you know, similar to my mom, we started talking about her situation because she's remarried. Her husband lives with her and the kids. And, you know, <laughs> I had that conversation. What happens? How do I plan for it? You know, who's the executor? So David, I got to tell you, this process you've walked us through in the book or walked me through has led to two conversations directly related. So as a divorced parent, although, you know, the barriers were, does, do their mom and I agree on, on to a degree anyway, on how I'm going to distribute that wealth, right? She doesn't want me to just give them a gazillion dollars. You know, how do we do the trust and who manages the trust? But also, me being prepared should she pass and how am I going to manage that financially? Cause then now, you know, right now I'm, I'm the cold soul breadwinner, et cetera. Right. right. And we had a really interesting conversation about her husband. Right. And I, I was absolute. I said, I'm not, I'm not kicking out of the house. I, I'm there's, you know, so I think accidentally it made her feel more secure that she and I were on the same page. And that's very different than us being friends. We are, I'm very honest with people that we're not friends. We're co-parents and we ensure that we make decisions that are in the best interest of our children. So having this conversation, I think, gave her a bit more security of the just in case. Right. Well, that's and that in my case is the same thing, too, with my ex-wife. It's it's always been the focus of uh, my son going forward. So you're going to have those conversations to you up because you're going through this process. And I, I'm, I'm going to be upfront with you. I mean, I you had the book, you know, almost from the time it came out. A lot of people I give the book to, they read it, or no, a lot of people don't read it, or they say they do, but clearly <laughs> what I've seen, and this is what's the shocking part, this is not rehearsed yeah. or, or not, no. it's not a plan, True. really didn't think that you, you'd go through, because we've had conversations and you didn't strike me as like, yeah, 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 I'll put this off to the, so this is kind of gratifying, because it's, the the the, the goal is to make sure that your family, the kids, the three kids, aren't going to be left disorganized and in chaos if you're not there, that there's some sort of plan for their future. I know you decided 
to use a, a service called Legal Shield. Now, mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit about Legal Shield. What is it? And can you tell me a bit about your experience and why you decided to, to uh, use um, that service? Yeah. So uh, it's super interesting because uh, I've actually had Legal Shield for about 16 years. And uh, it's a monthly membership I pay for and actually now represent. I actually sell the service now. And what essentially I do is um, it allows me access to a lawyer to, to get legal advice on a, a variety of different issues. Uh, you know, it's it's based on a law firm that's within our province or perhaps within the state uh, in the U.S. And uh, again, yeah, I can just call in and ask a question to get clarification on something, to get um, direction on what's legally possible. If I need to go to court, I can uh, have them actually uh, represent me for an, an additional fee. But what what I really use them a lot for, what I really leveraged the service for a lot was the advice and the contract reviews. So every time I would want to get a contract reviewed, uh, it was something that I sent them to give me advice on. What don't I see? What should I be aware of? And I also like the fact that it has a dependence clause, meaning that as a member, my dependents, my children, those three kids I mentioned earlier, are also covered. So if any of them get into trouble or something happens, we have access to a resource to ensure that we know what our rights are. But you know what, David, I'm not, the way I like using the service more so is I'm not a guy anymore that gets into a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. I like to use it for strategy and planning. I like to call up a lawyer and say, hey, in two years, this is what I want to do. What do I need to be cognizant of tax-wise and legal-wise to get to that point? So for some people, it's the reactiveness. It's they get into trouble. Something's happened. There's an issue. And they for that one flat fee a month, they can call a lawyer and get that advice or have a contract reviewed. For other people like me, it's, you know, I strategically call in, I, uh, you know, and ask some questions. As a member, I actually get a will completed absolutely free by a lawyer on their team. And so that I use it more for that level of service. And when I went into entrepreneurship, so I got it when I was an employee, went to entrepreneurship. They actually had a division, uh, an extra membership or or an additional thing that I could add. So now I can also get help on my business advice, my business legal matters, incorporation, all of that sort of stuff. Okay, so Legal Shield is another option. Um, You know, there's you you could do your will and have it done online, like with a service like uh, Legal Wills. Um, Legal Shield is a different option in terms of you're speaking directly to a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And they're going to walk you through the process of doing um, the will, and you have a, a monthly fee. So, I assume either you're completed your your will or you're in the process of doing it. Can you walk me through the steps of what you've done so far or what you did to um, get you to where you are right now with your will situation? Yeah. So again, kind of funny, and I, and I hope your listeners don't think I'm a plant. But I, when I called the lawyers, I said I read this book. <laughs> so I got some questions and um, the way it works is, you know, they they give you some advice. They actually send you a PDF, which you can fill in. And what that process did, David, was it, it started to get me to understand this idea of net worth. We hear it in the news all the time, but I I, I don't know if any of your listeners ever feel that way. When, when someone says, what's your net worth? You know, I, you know, I have a few hundred in the bank, but we don't actually calculate the assets that we can not only leave to other people, but more importantly, David, after our, our death, uh, can be taxed or can be penalized or can be um, drawn upon by by regulatory or government agencies. I had no idea any of that existed. So, you know, for me, it was um, going through the process. So here's what happens, Dave. They, they give you a, a, a PDF you can follow. It should be done in an hour. And it took me probably about four weeks because 
I would run into a section where I'd say, I don't know that. And I'd have to go to my accountant and go to my family and, and just find the answers, come back. And then I continue along the process. And then it would ask me this and I'd say, oh, so now I have to go to my doctor and then ask certain questions here. And what can I, so it, it wasn't as simple as someone gets on the phone and answers all your questions. It's designed to really challenge you to think about the exact question you started this call with, this podcast with, which is what is that legacy you want to leave? And how do you want to leave it so we can formulate your will to ensure there's no jeopardy to it? Right. And you just don't think about it, right, David? You think you pass. You think your family gets, you know, whatever the uh, insurance payout's going to be. But there are just so many, honestly, David, this sounds a bit crass. There's so many trap doors in that process, whether the regulatory agency, whether family members who don't agree, that I just started getting anxiety about my kids not getting what I want for them. That was that was really the process. So I'm at the process now where the will is done. It has been sent back. So the lawyers now actually review it to make sure I don't request anything. Like I want to be buried with a gerbil. You know, they 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 got to make sure that it's why these are all the things. As opposed to a groundhog. Why? Why? why well, you... I was worried a groundhog wouldn't last as long, but you know, because I don't know. So and <laughs> I come up during spring. You know, months. that's true. Can you imagine? That's quite yeah. awkward. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, but, you know, it's funny, we're joking about this, but this brings up another point is, you know, again, my family presumed I wanted to be buried, but I want cremation. So all of these elements came out. I want cremation. Okay, Bob, so are you going to donate your organs? Never thought about that. So it, it just kept going, like all of these um, rabbit holes for me to really determine what I wanted. So the will is now with the lawyer. The lawyer is validating that, yes, what you've written and what you've requested and everything we've gone through is legally applicable. And then once they've given their okay, I actually go and meet them at their office. We do a whole legal signing, everything gets done and it doesn't cost me anything but time. It does cost me time, David, but it doesn't cost me a penny out of my pocket. Did you have any specific legal needs or concerns that you, you named off a bunch of them that you, you feel that Legal Shield helped you address that you, that you might've missed or hadn't really thought of? You know, you named off a bunch of stuff, but is there anything else that that Legal Shield you felt helped you in a, in in getting you on the track to where you where you want to go? The reason why I ask that is is because you're focused on okay, my family situation. I've got my three kids, but then you also have to you know shift a little bit, and you have to help your mom. Who probably mm. what's the situation with your mom? Did she have a will? Did she ever have a will? Because I know she's a property owner as well. Does she, so right now, she does did she have, have a will? Yeah, she did have a will, but we have to update it because last time you and I talked, I told you we sort of we, she sold all her assets and retired. Right. And now she wants to figure out how do I, you know, update my will to reflect where I am now. Okay. So, so you, you focus on yourself, and then yeah. as a not only the the uh, the beneficiary, but also the executor, you're helping yes. her make those decisions so that she can move forward to make sure that her legacy is organized uh, going forward. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, very much so. And I, you know, there's this aspect of which again, my mom's not happy talking about, but there's this aspect of this, if I do pass, I'm the only child who cares for her. She, she can still take care of herself, but in the will, I needed to have a section or a component that ensured that she had something as well. And when right. she passes, then I'll just update the will again. But for now, it was really, it was really eye-opening to find out in our system how it's not as black and white as you and I might think, it, or before I met you, how I would have thought it would be. So besides the will, you also get a power of attorney and, and uh, healthcare directives. 
that there's yeah. a document, separate document from the will, because you're only going to die once, but the chances are that you could be disabled or yes. you know, incapacitated longer. So yeah. within a, with using Legal Shield, you also have, that's part of the whole package that you, you're getting? It is. And I really enjoyed, you know, one of the thought-provoking questions brought up by the lawyer was, um, you certainly can have the same person as your executor as whom is going to um, also be responsible for these documents. But, you know, the, the question that comes up is, are, is that something they can handle? So just to put into perspective for the listeners, the person I chose as my executor is very analytical. She can absolutely manage legality and finances. But if I put her in charge of pulling my plug, that is not something that she can manage. So I love the idea of, you know, these thought provoking questions of really think this through. And again, David had to have some hard conversations with some people before you know we made that decision. So you've had the conversation with her. Uh, she's accepted to be the executor and, and you're just making it a lot easier for her to prepare her just in case something happens that, you know, if you were to pass, she's prepared as the executor and it won't be all of a, a big surprise to her. No, we, we kind of switched it the other way. And this is going to, you're going to laugh out loud. So she is the executor of, of the will, but the health directive is going to be managed by my, my older sister. And when I say sister, I'm an only child in, in Indian families. When you have like a first cousin that you grew up with or second cousin, um, she's actually going to manage it because she can, although we're close, she's able to manage that component. Okay. So um, as, as you've done the wills before, you know, we can choose first, second, third place, which sounds horrible. So my mom has agreed to be second place. Her logic is if my my cousin or my sister, uh, pseudo sister, if you will, can manage that process, she would be all the happier. So let me ask you, what about your digital assets? What are the logins and passwords? Have you put that together yet? A list for that for your executor? Uh, I have. So what I actually did was this wasn't part of, funny enough, the legal shield will. Again, David, I'm sorry to make you blush. This came from the book, from reading the book and talking to you, is I did create a password uh, list encrypted online. And what I've done in my will is I have an addendum or an appendix, which actually gives access to that one online space. And what happens is it's it's it, it's basically like a credit card gets charged, it gets paid. Um, but when it's reported that I'm going to pass away, uh, it does like one final one year payment along those lines. So I guess all that to say, David, yes, I planned for it, but I also have to be mindful of cybersecurity and identity theft. Um, and, you know, with Legal Shield, there's an identity theft component as well. So they sort of help me understand that if you're going to do this, you really need to be mindful of where you're storing this information. So my final question to you is what advice would you give to someone in a similar situation as you, who's just thinking about doing going through the process of estate planning and, and, and legacy planning? So number one, by David's book, if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't done so yet, I, I'm not a, a shill. I honestly found it was the most transformative book. And by the way, David, I want to touch on something. And you called me out and you're absolutely right. When you first gave me the book, I didn't read it. I had it, but it wasn't until that catalyst I mentioned that made me go back and read it. So all of you listening, you may think you don't need it now, but if you have that book, when something happens, it'll make your life immensely more simple. So number one, number two was, you know, we touched on it a few times is have those uncomfortable conversations with family with or without wine up to you, but at least starting those conversations. And, you know, David, I also discovered with some people, you can immediately have them. And sometimes they're conversations over a period of months because people are uncomfortable or there's a lot to un untangle from it. So just get comfortable and include your children in those discussions. Some of us get scared, David, like, oh, I don't want my kids to think I'm going to die. 
you don't have to do that. It's simply a matter of, hey, can I'd love to understand from you, like, where do you see uh, your life going or what is it you plan on doing and how can I support that? Age when you start, because uh, your kids now are, are teenagers. So 16, 14, yes, you're right. Absolutely. So probably not to a two-year-old. Thank you. But right. certainly to, to those in teenagehood, right. do I need to plan for college? Do I need to plan for, uh, like, how are you going to manage real estate in this economy, et cetera? But here's the third one. This was the biggest one for me because I remember when I met you, I was not that great with money. I just wasn't awesome with money. And when I made this shift into getting into real estate as a legacy item for the kids, and when I started, you know, this was just around COVID time, when I started getting more lucrative business contracts, I started making money I didn't have before. And I never realized how much money I was losing that I actually could be investing as a part of the strategy for my children. So all of you want to get comfortable with going through your finance with a financial planner, which, you know, I believe, David, you're still in that practice, talking to a financial planner and, and reverse engineering what it is you see your legacy being. And I just shifted my mindset of where I'm actually putting money now when I make it. So those were sort of the three pieces of advice. Read David's book, number two, have uncomfortable conversations, number three. If as uncomfortable as it might feel, go through your finances, know it inside out, talk to a banker, a financial planner, an accountant, and a lawyer, and get those perspectives so you can reverse engineer what you want your plan to be. So that way you don't leave your family disorganized and in chaos, and you're leaving a legacy and not a legacy and a mess. Bob Minhas, thank you for the kind words. Thank you for taking the time to be here today on the Executive Help Podcast. I appreciate you. This it, it, it this was not a, a, a plant. I no, not at all. Yeah. I, I, I did not have no idea what you were going to say. I mean, I we, we have a couple of prep questions in advance, but I didn't uh, expect you to say what you say. And I appreciate that. Um, um, hopefully, you know, the book will help one other individual and it's it sparked other conversations uh, at least in your family so that's yeah. so that's great to uh great to know once again I'd like to thank you for being here on the show and uh maybe in a little further down the road we'll have you back and see pop in and see you know where you're at now in terms of uh your estate plan especially i'd be interested in talking about you know you because you're the caretaker you're probably gonna be the caretaker of your mom how do they, how do those conversations end and where is it going with her uh, financial plan as well? So once again, thanks a lot for being here on the show today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, David. I'd love to come back. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media or by leaving a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. To catch up with all the latest from me, go to davideady.com. There you can follow me on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Thanks again, and I'll talk to you next time.